I wonder if you've ever thought about how much joy you bring to God's heart. Did you even know it was possible to do it? Surely God is the one who does all the joy bringing, all the delight giving, all the love sharing to us, isn't he? Well, of course, the answer to that is absolutely he does. But I want to help us think a bit about this deeper today. You see, we can bring joy to God's heart too, if we want to. Over these last few weeks, as we've poured over John's letter and passages from his gospel as well, we've seen his great focus on love, in Greek, agape, that self-giving and self-sacrificial kind of love that is most definitely one of the attributes of God that he shares with us. It is a part of God's very nature to give of himself in order to bring about some good or blessing for others, and therefore is for the Trinity too. John 14.31 tells us that Jesus does exactly what the Father has commanded so that the world may learn that he loves the Father. Each person of the Trinity seeks to bring joy and happiness to the other two. It is their highest aim in life. What's your highest aim in life? I wonder if it has changed over time. With each succeeding decade, my general aims for my life have changed from wanting to have a really good job, to being the best wife and mother possible, to being a good granny, a great encourager and a caring daughter. But my highest aim has always been to be the best disciple I can be. I'm not very good at aiming, though. Perhaps you've seen the film The Greatest Showman. It's the story of P.T. Barnum and his drive and ambition to aim high for his family and himself, to be the best that they can be, have the best that can be had. There's a line that says, no one ever made a difference by being like everyone else. And for Barnum, this means hard work. Yet poor reviews of his unusual circus, leading to distancing himself from his friends, it all becomes a heavy burden for him, damages family life and relationships. He loses everything. He's following the command of the world to be the best you can be regardless of anyone or anything else. And this is a heavy, burdensome command under which to live. John wants his hearers or readers to live in a different way, within the love of God, because any commands there might be will be light and easy to carry. As Tony said last week, John seems to do his thinking going round in circles, and it can be difficult to see what he's actually trying to say sometimes, unlike Paul, who always writes with very linear arguments. I wonder if this is partly due to John's profession. He was a fisherman, not a lawyer like Paul, and it seems to me that he writes as if he's having an ordinary conversation with you, over a cup of tea perhaps, and there's no structure to that kind of conversation, is there? Well, not when I have one anyway. So what is John saying about commands and how do they fit into this letter about God's heart of love? John wants everyone to understand what God is like He's written about the things he knows. After all, he spent time with Jesus. He had seen firsthand the way in which Jesus encouraged people. He had followed him in every sense of that word. And now as he sees the world making a mess of life, including those who say they want to follow Jesus too, he wants to care for them as Jesus cared for him and show them the way to go, so to speak. After his explanations about light and darkness, about sin and forgiveness and relationships with other believers in the earlier chapters, now he seemingly wants to clarify about the reality of faith, where it comes from and what it does for us. Jesus did this same thing in the past, and John wrote about that too, chapter 15, our reading today. 
You will recall the gospel from last week about the vine and the branches. Well, this week, following on from that, we find another aspect of how to abide, as John puts it. Christians of all people are to be known for their love for God and for each other, and then also for their neighbours, i.e. everyone else. Love is the great apologetic. We may not have all the answers, Josh Moody says, but if we love, if we have love, we have all the answers to the ultimate questions. Am I valuable? Do I matter? Does anyone care? All those questions that actually all the characters in The Greatest Showman were trying to answer for themselves and each other. Love is the answer, but not wishy-washy love, not sentimental love, no, a real and deep love in which we can abide, remain, stand firm. Jesus goes on to explain that this love is best expressed in obedience, moral and actual. Verse 10, someone cannot say that they love Jesus if they do not love to obey Jesus. Somebody else might ask, well, how can I tell if I really love Jesus if I do not feel much love towards him? The answer, you can tell by whether or not you obey his commandments. I'm sure we can probably all think of times when feelings may not be strong, but discipleship is nevertheless real. You will know that you do love Jesus even if you feel that perhaps you do not love him. John repeats this in his letter, verse 2. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. But what are these commands for? They're to help us live the best life we can live in the world in which we find ourselves. Most people, if you ask them about God's commands today, would say something like, well, like all commands, they're hard to take. They're trying to force me to do what somebody else wants. They're an imposition on my freedom, on my rights. So why should I do or not do something just because someone else says I should? Ever heard that before? But both Jesus and John say that God's commands are not heavy, not burdensome at all. So perhaps John's best circular argument is this. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and the greatest commandment is love. With this kind of love and obedience, we can overcome the world and its view. We won't need to worry about how valuable we are, whether we matter or not, whether anyone cares, Because the answer to all this is yes. Yes, God thinks we are valuable. Yes, we matter to God. And yes, God cares. God cares for every single person. In fact, he cares so much that he would sacrificially give up his only son to the cross. Verse 13 of the Gospel reading. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. If you want to know what the greatest love is like, look at the cross. Human love never becomes more vivid than when someone dies for another person. What greater love could there possibly be? How amazing is it then that God himself would do such a thing? So on those days when you wonder whether God loves you, why not dwell on this verse? What more could God do to demonstrate his love for you or me than to die on a cross to save us? So back to the question then, how can we, in the light of all this, bring joy to God's heart when he does so much for us. If it is one of the most amazing facts in all of scripture that God's love involves his giving of himself to make us happy, then our imitating of this attribute of his, our giving of ourselves, surely does the same. It actually brings joy to God's heart. But of course now we have to consider what is this going to look like for me, for you? 
Once we become a believer, a follower of Jesus, the Son of God, born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, we will want to live following the commands. We won't be able to help ourselves. We won't want to live within the world's influences anymore. We will want to live within the love of God, loving our brothers and sisters. We will be in the world, but not of the world. We will overcome it by not succumbing to its standards or its lure and attraction, because we know that God loves us. We are valuable to him. We matter to him and he cares. What more could we possibly need? Nothing. Nothing at all. But there is just one more thing to mention. One other thing to bring joy to God's heart. In our Gospel reading, Jesus said, I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Are we sharing this precious, life-giving, joy-bringing knowledge with others? From Ascension to Pentecost, we can once again join in with the Thy Kingdom Come, Now Global initiative. It's an opportunity to particularly pray for five people we know to come to faith in Jesus, to get to know that they are valuable, that they do matter, and that God cares about them. Will you pray? Why not use this opportunity to bring even more joy to God's heart of love? Amen.